Is anybody excited to be in the house of God today? It's summer, and I love the summer in the house of God. I'm just saying, I'm one of those radicals that there's no place I'd rather be than in the house of the Lord. Uh, I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles to 1 John. Ooh, look at this hottie right here. Somebody bring it to the front. 1 John. Sorry, I got distracted. 1 John. Chapter 3, verse 11. We are in week 5. What? Yo, that's longer than some of our relationships. Come on, somebody. That's a serious commitment. Week 5. In this series called A Letter from John. John is writing a letter to the bride of Christ, to his church. And um, as you know, for the summer, we unpack a book of the Bible or a letter in the Bible. And we spent the whole summer just talking about this book of the Bible. By the end of this uh, series, you would have read the entire letter from John. Come on, somebody. Can't nobody tell you you ain't read a whole book of the Bible. You read it in the summer of 2022. Come on, somebody. Uh, So by the end of this, we will have read the entire letter of John. And today we're going to really focus on maybe about 13 verses and really going to hone in maybe about four or five. It has, it carries a central theme. And this is how he, he begins. By the way, uh, I got the mic at 424. That means that Maylene is having a party back there. She's just like, everything's going on time. I said, look, look at her praise the Lord. She's like, he'll do it again. He'll do it again. like I seen you move <laughs> you move the mountains but Pastor Rowe got the mic at 424 again come on somebody <laughs> alright I think we need a praise break right? 1st John chapter 3 verse 11 it says for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. I'm going to read that again. It's really the message. It's really the central theme of the next few verses. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder his brother? Anybody, anybody know why Cain murdered his brother? Because he just wasn't able. That was... And why did he murder his brother? Because of his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because, watch this, we love the brothers. Whoever does not, whoever does not love, listen clearly, abides, they kind of dwell in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now, please pay attention here because what he is doing is that he is saying that simply because you are not murdering anybody doesn't mean that you have you don't have hatred in your heart. 
he's doing is that he's speaking to a group of people that think it's that loving people is simply not killing them. It's like, oh, I wanted to kill them and I didn't. Look how much I love them. No, he's saying, listen, if you got hatred in your heart, you need to allow God's grace and love to deal with that. But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Now him as a father, he says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. In other words, what he's saying is this, don't just talk about it. Don't just talk about it. Be about it. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. I don't know if this is for somebody today, but I know that if you have a heart that's been condemning you, for not adding up, for not being the standard that you have of yourself, can I tell you that God's love is greater than your heart. And he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. I can't wait to unpack that in today's text. And this, someone shout this, and this is his commandment. It's those that keep his commandments. But he says, hey, this is his commandment that we believe in the name of the son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. This is the commandment that we would believe in the name that's been given to us, the name that is above all names, that we will receive and reciprocate his love and then we would be an extension of his love to the world. What is the command? That we would love God and love others. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God. In other words, that when you are abiding in the grace of God, the evidence of that shows up in your love for one another. By this we will know that he abides in us by the spirit who he has given us freely my title is simply this for for the next 38 minutes is rediscovering love's reality rediscovering love's reality can we pray i just want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes heavenly father i thank you lord thank you daddy thank you abba thank you for being so so amazing lord jesus Lord, how marvelous are your ways, God. How amazing are your ways, God. How, how much is your love, oh God, for us? It is too much to even imagine, oh God. I pray that today we can rediscover what love's reality is. That love is not an abstract theory. It is a who. It is a person. It is your person. We pray that we may experience that today in a powerful way. In Jesus' name I pray. God's people shout amen and amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Um, 
this might be an um, interesting question to ask, and I usually like starting a, a message with an interesting question, but have you ever experienced something in your life? Have you ever had an experience that you didn't really know how to respond to it? What I mean is like, it's like partially you understand it, and on the other end, like you're not with it. Like you don't know how to, res- you experience something, but you really don't know how to respond to it because on one side you're okay with it, and on the other side you're not so okay with it. And what I mean is like, let me give you this example. Like, my wife and I, when we go food shopping, we split. Because Lisa has the responsibility of part of what we do in food shopping, and I have another part. So Lisa's responsibilities when we go food shopping is that she goes and gets everything that the house needs. And my responsibility is to make sure that I get everything that I need. And so what happens is that we go food shopping, and this happened, this has happened several times. So we go food shopping and and I go, we split, she goes and does her thing, I go and I do my thing. And as I'm coming back with my groceries to put in the cart, something interesting happens because I I kind of show up, but she looks like I catch her off guard and she kind of glances my way. Like I, I show up and she goes like this. She pulls one of these. She goes, she goes, she's like, she does like a double take, she goes. To which I'm like, what was that about? She's like, no, nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm like, no, 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 no. You can't just <laughs> me and then not tell me what the <laughs> is about. So I'm like, what in the world was that? And she goes, no, no, don't, don't worry about it. Said, I was like, nah, you're going to explain what just happened. She's like, what, what happened was is that I, I, I looked your way and I had, like I did a double take because when I looked, I was like, oh, wow, he's cute. And I was like, okay, there's nothing wrong with that. And that's the part that I'm good. But she goes, I was like, okay, what's wrong with that? She goes, no, is that like, I looked at you, I, I, I looked that way, and I, and I was like, oh, he's cute. And then I realized it was you. <laughs> like, you see what I mean? Like, I don't even know what to do there. Because anybody give me some advice? Because I didn't really know what to do, because I was like, what do you mean? So, so, so I can't even leave you at the shop right for five minutes without you checking somebody out. She's like, I'm not trying to check somebody out. I was checking you out. I was like, no, you didn't know it was me. And she's like, no, I was checking you out. Baby, I was checking you out. I was like, no, you were not checking me out. You were checking out a guy that looked like me, and you said he was fine. Therefore, you were cheating on me with me. We need to go to counseling. Come on, somebody. See, I, like, I didn't know how to respond with to that because on one end I was I was like good with it because on one end I'm like look at that I still got it going on come on somebody you know what I'm saying on the other hand I was like is my wife checking out somebody see you might wonder what does this have to do with today's message absolutely none I just wanted to snitch on Lisa Seriously, I, I, I use this because I thought about this moment that I didn't know how to respond because on one end I was good, but on the other end I wasn't. And when I think about the emphasis that's going to be made in today's teaching, so many of, of the listeners or the ones, the readers, come on somebody, Jesus is calling, answer the phone. And so, so many of the people that are listening to John's writings or reading John's writings are in this tension that, that they're good with one part of the message, but they're not so good with the other part of the message. What I mean is like, yeah, I'm good with 
Jesus, but people, not so much. Oh, yeah, I'm good with you checking me out, but I ain't good with you checking somebody else out and thinking it was me or vice versa. See, like, I'm good with Jesus because Jesus, oh, my goodness, he is the savior of my soul. But people, they are the stress of my life. Come on, somebody. Anybody been there? Like, I'm good with Jesus because he is the living water that quenches my thirst, but I ain't good with people because they suck me dry. Come on, somebody. You know what exactly what I'm talking about. They drive me wild. I'm good with Jesus. Oh, he is the good shepherd. But people can't get their sheep together. Come on, somebody. I flipped it. I'm, I'm, I'm good with Jesus because... You know, Jesus, Jesus is, he's great. He's amazing. He helps me, but people, they hurt me. Have you ever been in this tension? Like, I'm good with one part of the message, but I'm not so good with the other part of the message. I don't know about you, but I can relate to this. And this is what John's emphasis is he's he, he wants to say hey listen if you've encountered Jesus if you've experienced his love if you've gone long enough in a relationship with him it is only a matter of time where it starts showing up in the way it, it, it just it's an in, it, it begins to show up in the way you love other people it shows up in the quality of your love yet you have for other people when you have an encounter with Jesus it's I mean it's just it, it begins to mark you it begins to transform you it begins to change you when you have a relationship with Jesus it begins to show up in the way you love your children it shows up in the way you treat your barista it shows up in the way you treat your uber driver it shows up in your generosity it shows up in the way you forgive. It shows up in the amount of patience you have for people. It shows up when they get your order wrong at Dunkin' Donuts for the fifth time. It shows up in the way you treat people. And listen, I know so many of us in this room, we're so good with the first part of the message. But my prayer is today that if God's love and God's grace has not showed up in your life just yet to be a, a uh, to spill over in the lives of others. My prayer is that God's love today will show up in your marriage. It'll show up in the way you love your kids. It'll show up in your home. It'll show up in the kind of generosity you have. If you believe that in this place and you want some of that in this house, give God a praise in this room. It shows up. It shows up. And this is kind of like John's message. Like, there's just no way you can have experienced God's grace and it have, and it have absolutely no effect in the quality of love that you possess for other people. It is impossible because an indication and a sign and a mark and a symptom that you've been with Jesus is that you love people the way Jesus did. This is why John writes this in verse 11. He says, this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. That we should love one another. He says, hey, you, you've heard it from the beginning, y'all. You, you heard this over and over and over again, that you are called to love 
one another. This is not something new. This is not something that you is trendy. This is something you've heard from the beginning that, that, that we are called to love one another. If you go down a couple of verses later, look how he puts it. He says, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and we do what pleases him. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of the son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he gave us. So, so oftentimes what John will begin to do is that John will begin to refer to this notion or this idea of loving people using this, these terms. Like he'll say things like, hey, the message you've heard from the beginning. Or he'll say, hey, a new commandment. Or he'll refer it to as his commandment. When he says to love people, he is kind of amalgamating loving people loving God and your relationship with people and God being one. But he's uniting it with this notion of it being a commandment. What begins to happen is a modern-day reader would read this, and we would begin to understand it in a way that it's not really meant to be understood. So what happens is, is that we hear the word commandment, and oftentimes our mind goes where? It goes to thousands of thousands of years before, and we go to ten sayings or 10 words that were written on two tablets that were given to Moses for one particular people that were brought, brought down on, from a mountain and then thrown to people. And this is the image that we have when we think about commandments. What John is submitting to us is not the 10 commandments. What John is submitting to us is something that's far greater than, than writings that were placed on two tablets. What John is submitting to us is something that far exceeds the standards that were placed on the Ten Commandments. And so this is why he'll say, hey, hey, don't be like Cain. Cain was a murderer. And you're like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm fulfilling the commandments because I'm not a murderer. He's like, yeah, but you got hatred in your heart. See, see what he's doing is that he is far exceeding the standard of the Ten Commandments. But what happens to us is that if we're not careful, we'll read all of John's writings and see him say things like, hey, this is the commandments. Hey, keep the commandments. Abide in the commandments. Live in the commandments. And we'll think that he's referring to either the Ten Commandments or the laws of the Old Covenant. But what he is actually doing is that he is connecting your perception of commandments to simply be the standard of God's love in your life. Because he's saying that if you experience God, God's love, Jesus becomes the standard. So standard is not tap. Standard is a person. Okay, I, I need you to catch this. So, so, so let, me just, let me just show you over and over again when you see, you see John refer to commandments as loving people. Remember that you cannot obligate someone to love people. So when you, when you read this term commandments, what it's really talking about is a standard. It's an admonishment. It's saying, hey, it, it's, it's, hey when you have a relationship with, with God, it compels you. So it's what he's saying. And you'll see it over and over again. First John chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Jesus lived the truth of this commandment. And you also are living in it. 
For darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims to be living in the light but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. Look what, it, look, look what he writes about Jesus as Jesus gives the, the new commandment in, in the book of John. He says, now I have given you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You ought to love each other. Second John chapter 5 or Second John verse 5 because there's only one chapter in Second John. It says, I am writing this to remind you, dear brothers. I'm reminding you, dear brothers, that you should what? Love one another. This is not a new command. But one we have had from the beginning. So the, the command is not something that was written on tablets. It's something that the Holy Spirit has written in your hearts to love people. So the command is to live in Christ so that you can love others like Christ did. Now, again, this would be another time where we see John that is he's connecting this and he's saying, hey, hey, this is from the beginning. This is this is God's intention from the beginning. And many scholars believe that when he refers to the beginning, he could either be referring to the beginning of Jesus's teachings or he can be referring to the beginning of of uh, uh, the beginning in terms of God's intent in Genesis. Uh, so, but either way, either way, the way we look at it, oftentimes Jesus's teachings came from the Old Testament scriptures. So what John is essentially saying is that the problem in humanity is not a new problem. It's a problem that's always existed. And the antidote, the antidote is the same. It's that we got to love people. Because you can't overcome hate with hate. You can only come hate with love. And so watch, he says, hey, this is not something new. This is something that we understood from the beginning. In Jesus' ministry, they asked him, hey, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? You know what Jesus says? He says, it is to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And he goes, and check this out. And the second one, the second greatest, is just as important as that one I just said. It's to love your neighbor like you love yourself. Now watch this. What Jesus is referring to, so like if you hear Jesus talking about that, your mind immediately goes to what's called the Shema. The Shema is something that the, the Jews understood as this was a prayer. This is something that they rehearsed over and over and over again. This is something they repeated to their children. This is something that they repeated as they, were, as they woke up. This is something they repeated as they went to bed. This is something that reminded them of the, of the commandments in the law. Now, follow me as I, as I walk through this. So when you hear Jesus, John, say this, and he's alluding to Jesus' teachings, and Jesus' teachings is saying, hey, the greatest commandment is what is found in the Shema, which is to love God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second one is just as important. When you look at the Shema that's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, you will see that God also gives instructions that will help you remember what's most important in the covenant. He'll give you actual visual visible aids to remember what the commandments of the law were. And one of the ways, he, one of the things he says, hey, I need you to write these laws on the doorposts of your house. Therefore, when you walk into your house, the first thing you are reminded of is the covenant that we are in and the obligation that you have to obey my commands. 
He says, I need you to write them. Where? Everybody shout doorpost. He says, I need you to write them on the doorposts of your house. This is a visual reminder. So when you see it, you are reminded of the commandments of the law. So I walk and I see the doorposts. I'm reminded of the commandments of the law. He says, if you know anything about the commandments, you know they are written on stone. So they are written on rock. So that what? So that when it was kept in the Ark of the Covenant, you would have an understanding that what? That we are under that covenant. I am looking at it, and it's the commandments of the law. Watch this. He says, I need you to write, I need you to take some tassels and connect it to your clothing. And I want you to create 613 pieces of garments that are under your clothing. They're called tassels. And when you wear your garments, everywhere you go, you are reminded. So watch this. You're reminded of the covenant that you are in, which means that you are reminded of the commandments of the law. So you had visual, physical reminders that would remind you that you were in a covenant with God and you had an obligation to fulfill what? The commandments of the law. What does John do? John says that you, don't, you no longer need to look at a physical, visible reminder. Because now your reminder is not a what. It's a who. And you can't see the who now with your physical, visible eyes. You can only see it when the eyes of your hearts have been opened. Wow, wow. So, so, so what does Jesus do? See, the, in the Shema, it says that you are to place it on the doorpost. But in John chapter 10, Jesus says that I am the door. And those that walk through me will experience eternal life. You see, the Ten Commandments were written on stone but Peter would say that Jesus Christ was the chief corner stone that the builders rejected, but we build our foundation on. We had 613 tassels, but then the Apostle Paul, watch, this, watch what the Apostle Paul does. He says, hey, there's 613 tassels that will remind you of the commandments of the law, but in order for you to not fulfill the commandments of the law, but fulfill the commandments of love, you're not going to put on a garment that has tassels in it. He says, clothe yourself with Jesus. <sighs> Why? Because the standard is much greater when you've encountered the true essence of love. What is John's message? My friends, you don't need to look at tablets. You don't need to look at tassels. You don't need to look at doorposts. You can look at Jesus because those were physical things to remind you. But Jesus now is the who that compels you. If you believe that in this house, give God a praise. Can I take it further? Can I take it further? Watch this in the Shema. It says that you are to take the laws and you are to post them and bind them to your hand and place them on your forehead. So that it can remind you the commandments of love. But you know what Jesus did? He says, I don't want you to, I don't want to remind you of the commandments of love, of, of the law. I want, I want to remind you of what true love is. So I took a crown of thorns and I was pierced in my hands. So now that when you don't have to look at your hands and you don't got to look at your forehead, you can look at my forehead and you can look at my hands and be reminded that love lives inside of you, that love has transformed you and that love can change your world. John is like, hey, if you've encountered Jesus, 
it changes the way you encounter people. See, because it's no longer a law that forces you to remember. It's a love that becomes the force in you to live out. And the truth is that there are so many different levels of treating people. There's so many areas in our life that we can experience God in a church service, but then treat people as if they are unworthy of God's love. So many of us have experienced God's love, and let's be honest, right, it doesn't translate in the way we love and the patience that we have. So I want to give you just four different ways we treat people. Can I do that real quick? Four different ways we treat people. I'm going to go through them really fast. And here's the first one. I want, to, I want you to write this down. This is typically the, the four levels that we treat people. The first level is I treat people the way I feel like it. It's getting quiet in here. That's how you know it's good. I feel like it's you treat, you treat people based upon how you feel. John's like, hey, Cain treated Abel not based upon anything else other than what was in his own heart. And oftentimes, we may not be murdering people because of how we feel, but we're still treating them based upon the moment and how we feel in the moment. The way we talk to them is based upon how we feel. And here's the essence of that, that we treat people based upon external circumstances and internal instability. I treat people the way I feel like it is this. It's, hey, I'm treating people based upon the circumstances that are external, but also I'm treating people based upon my own internal instability. And, and here's what happens, that if your internal stability, if, in, if your emotional stability is not, if you're not stable emotionally, what begins to happen, and you guys know the saying very well, that if you can't, if you don't heal from what hurt you, you will be bleed on people that didn't cut you. Because that becomes your default position. Your default position becomes this place that you're so emotionally unstable that you are dependent on good to treat people good. You are dependent on the perfect circumstances. You're dependent on the perfect day in order for you to treat people that way. And when you treat people the way you feel like it, if you feel good, then you treat people good. If you feel bad, maybe you don't treat people good. John's like, nah, when you've experience Jesus, you don't treat people the way you feel like it. And again, this message is not really to condemn anybody because let's be honest, we're all on a journey and we've all been at this place. Hey, I treat people based upon the way I feel. And, and, and here's the second one. We treat people, I treat people the way they treat me. their PhD in treating people the way they treat them. Come on, let's be honest. Many of us may not live at this place where I treat people any way I feel like it, but there are a lot of people that do. But most of us have graduated to this place of, hey, I'm going to treat people the way they treat me. I am a professional at treating people with the same energy they come at me with. Ain't, ain't, no, ain't no amen, say no. I promise you, I, I read, a, I read a, a meme the other day that said, it said, hey, when I pull a you on you, don't be surprised. 
what's the message? Hey, I'm going to treat you the way you treat me. I read another one that said, it said, from this day forth, I'm going to treat people with the same energy they treat me. Some should be happy and some should be petrified. What's the message? Oh, I'm going to treat people the way they treat me. Means, means that if you support me, I'm going to support you. If you scratch my back, I'm going to scratch yours. But if you don't, I will. If you don't support me, I'm not going to support you. If you don't look after me, I'm not going to look after you. If you don't do good by me, I ain't going to do good by you. If you're not generous with me, I ain't going to be. But if you're generous with me, then I'm going to be generous with you. But if you're looking after me, I'm going to look after you. But if you bring me a little cup of milk when I need my coffee, I'm going to bring you a little cup of milk when you need coffee. Milk for your coffee. I'm going to look, and so it's, a, it's an exchange relationship. You do for me, I do for you. Except that John seems to think that this thing is not going to last too long. You know what he says? He says, you know why? Um, excuse me. If you're going to treat people the way they treat you, yeah, it's not going to work. You know why? Because people are going to hate you. And, and when you've encountered God, it's impossible for you to hate people. Because God's love is so transformative, it won't allow you to. Hear me. Hey, hey, I I get it. I get it. You know what? Treating people the way they treat you makes sense. Makes sense. But God didn't call us to make sense. He called us to have faith. And in having faith, we have to trust in God's goodness. And I don't treat people based upon the way they treat me. I want to read this to you. Look what he says. He says, He says, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you, and it will hate you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. He says, you know why this thing won't work with you treating people the way they treat you? You know why it won't work? It's because there are going to be people that they're going to hate you. And in this context, he's talking about people that stand against pure love. They stand against God's purpose. They stand against God's will in this context. But I want to let you know there will be time. Now, let's be honest. Some people hate you because, you know, you're not the most lovable. It's like, yo, I'm suffering for Jesus. No, you're, you're suffering because of your bad habits. Right? Like, that, that's what, that's a reality. But there's also another reality that that in the name of Jesus, because you stand for love and you stand for what's right and you stand for what's pure before the eyes of God, that there will be people that will hate you. There will be people that stand against what God's best for this world is. And I read this quote that just rocked me. It says, people may hate you because of Jesus, but they should never hate Jesus because of us. Can I read that again? People may hate us because of Jesus. People may hate us because of Jesus. But they should never hate Jesus because of us. The way we treat others should lead them to only one conclusion. If this is how Jesus loves them, then I am all in. Let me give you the third one. I treat people the way I want to be treated. If you live in this place, you're at the top 20 right there. I think for the most part, many of us may live 
and the, the culture that society promotes is I'm going to treat you the way you treat me. But most of us, well, most of us live there, but there's, there's, there's some of us that also start at this place. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat you the way I want to be treated. I'm going to love you the way I want to be loved. Now, now, there's two problems with that because that is a good place to be, but it also has two issues. And the issue is, the first one is, it has a really quick expiration date. Because if you're treating people based upon the way you want to be treated, it's only a matter of time that you will be treated by them in a way you don't want to be treated. And the moment you start seeing the way you treat them not being reciprocated is the moment your heart begins to shut down and close people. Let's be honest, like many of us start here. about something and it just many of us start here many of us started here as children you know that we start at this place like I'm just gonna treat so so what do you do as a kid like I don't have an issue like that's my like you know I, I loved as a kid <laughs> that if you got offended like, it took like two seconds for you to forgive and you playing with that kid all over again. Until you get taught to not trust that kid. It is that we go from treating people the way we want to be treated, but too, too many of us don't have the emotional fortitude to keep treating people the way we want to be treated without feeling like a sucker at the end. And, and, and that's the problem, right? The problem is that that has a short expiration date. The other problem with this way of treating people is that you don't always know how you should be treated. And you don't always treat yourself good. And let me tell you, if you don't know how to treat yourself well, you'll never be able to treat others well. John's like, yeah, that, that, that has an expiration date, a really, really soon expiration date. But can I give you the fourth one? John's like, yeah, like, we're not called to treat people the way we feel like it. We're not like Cain. We're not called to treat people the way they treat us because they will hate us. Hey, we're not even called to treat people the way we want to be treated because you don't always know how you want to be treated. And you don't, and you know that there's a quick expiration date because the way you treat people won't always be reciprocated. But that's why you can't look to people to love them the way you're supposed to. I treat people the way Jesus treated and treats me. Ooh. Can I tell you how we're called to treat people? John says, hey, verse 16, by this we know love. How are you supposed to treat people? that he laid down his life for us and what do we what do we ought to do now that he laid down his life for us we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers I love the, the way the passing translation puts it it says it, it says this it says this is how we have discovered love's reality the 
reason I titled this message is Rediscovering Love's Reality is because I think that we need to rediscover this. We have allowed society to tell us what love's reality is. And this is what looks, love looks like. And this is what love sounds like. And then when we don't experience that, we end up being hurt and disappointed. But I think many of us today need to rediscover love's reality. This is how we have discovered love's reality. That Jesus sacrificed his life for us because of his great love. We should be willing to lay down our lives for one another. Jesus' sacrifice, Jesus sacrificed his love because Jesus sacrificed his life for us because of his great love for us. And John's like, listen, I tried to love people the way I felt like it. I tried to love people in a way that maybe if I loved them unloved, they would change. I tried to love them that way and then they killed my brother. And watch what he says. It says, if you don't abide in love, you'll abide in death. Why? Because you are hardwired for love. And when you start emptying yourself from your love for people, you, your soul starts dying slowly. So if you don't abide in love, you're going to end up abiding in death and in misery and in sorrow and in depression. Because you are hardwired for love. So when you allow hatred and resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness, you're only killing yourself slowly. You might be existing, oh, but you're far from being alive. Because I tried that kind of love. I was having this conversation with Selah, and I was sharing her the four points. And I was like, baby, you know what God, the way God called us to love? That we're called to treat people the way Jesus treated us. And my beautiful 13-year-old daughter goes, whoo. I said, I know. I said, it's impossible, right, baby? She goes, yup. I said, yeah. That's why we need Jesus. Because it's impossible to do it without him. And you'll only find yourself frustrated. And you might hear this, lay down my life? Lay down my life? For who? For the people that hurt me? Lay down my life for people that feel indifferent about me. Lay down my life with people who have hurt me and don't even care if I even am I, if I'm doing okay. Lay down my life for them. That is impossible. Yeah, but he says that's what Jesus did. And you might be sitting here and you might be like, yeah, but you know what? That's Jesus. I love when we, we say this. That's Jesus. That's not me. Can I just bring you to one verse? One verse. Okay, maybe you're not Jesus, but maybe you're part of a church community and you've heard a great message about God's love. There was a man in the Bible that he wasn't a pastor. He was not Jesus. You know who he was? He was a dream team member. He had no high position. And look what happens. He's sharing about Jesus. Look what takes place. They begin to surround him to stone him to death and they took him out of the city and began throwing stones at him 
And the men who told lies against Stephen gave their coats to a young man named Saul. And as they were throwing the stones at him, Stephen was praying. He said, Lord, Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees, shouted, Lord, don't blame them for for this sin. These were his last words. Wait, this is not Jesus? This is some musical director at a church? This is a drummer at a church? This is a worship leader at a church? This is the love team at a church? This is the setup and tear down team at a church? Guess what? To let the world know about this love, you don't need to be a prophet. You don't need to be an evangelist. You don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to have a platform ministry. All you need to know is that you know him and he empowers you. So every time they talk about you and you didn't defend yourself, you're laying down your life. Every time when they hurt you and you chose to forgive, you're laying down your life. Every time they never apologize and you stop your heart from getting resentful, you laid down your life. Every time they were responsible to give you something and do something and they reneged on it, but you still pressed forward and found healing for your soul, you laid down your life. Why? Because you're amazing? Because you're awesome? No, because there was a man that demonstrated his love while I was walking away from him, while I was sinning, while I was turning my back on him. He was chasing me and loving me and caressing me and correcting me and lifting me up. I don't know about you, but I've experienced this love. And if you experience this love in this place, I dare you to get up on your feet and give God a shout out. This is rediscovering love's reality. Our perception of love has been distorted and damaged. But this is love's reality. And I think we need to rediscover that today. If you're in this house, I want to pray for you today. You know, you know. You know that many of us here have been treating We've been treating people in a way that doesn't say anything about our love and relationship with God. If you're here today, I want to help you rediscover love's reality. And I want to pray for you. I don't want this to be just kind of like this thing that we do. Well, yeah, just... If you're here and like, you know, like your heart right there, your heart of hearts is like, I know that God can transform me right now to that's you in this place at the count of three if you say I want to rediscover love once again at the count of three I want you to lift up your hands if you're saying I need this love to help me treat people the way God has called me to I need you to lift up your hands at the count of three one Jesus loves you two he's here for you three lift up your hands all over this room come on come on come on you can put your hand right back down say this prayer with me say Jesus Thank you for your love. 
that sit there for a moment. Thank you for your love. Now, I want you to just imagine God's love being poured all over you. I want you to imagine his hands being pierced for you. receive your love so today I want to give you my life there it is there it is it's happening right now now say thank you for your help to love people in a way that I never could Thank you for dying on the cross for me and giving me new life. Thank you for allowing me to experience this love. And thank you that I can now extend this love to the world around me. In Jesus' name, amen.